Hey, everybody, welcome back to Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network, where we take a closer look each week at the wide, weird, and wonderful world of running. I'm your host, Jonathan Ellsworth. I'm also the founder of Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Off the Couch is presented by CBG Trails. The CBG Trails app is the only complete trail map app of Crested Butte and the Gunnison Valley, Colorado. So download the app today and start exploring. So what's it like to run 201 miles and then know that you are not even close to being done you still have another 40 miles to go. And why on earth would you sign up for such a thing, let alone pay well over $1,000 for the right to subject yourself to this? That's what I wanted to find out. And so this past week, I went to Moab, Utah to help out a tiny little bit at the Moab 240 Endurance Run, which is a 240-mile race that begins and ends in Moab and covers one huge single 240-mile loop, though some of the runners covered more ground than that thanks to some apparently hungry cows that ate a bunch of trail markers along the course. The Moab 240 race started at 7 a.m. on Friday, October 11th, and it had a cutoff time of Tuesday, October 15th at 11 p.m., which is 112 hours after the start time, or four days and 16 hours later. The Moab 240 is a solo, non-stop foot race, so this is not a stage race, and it includes 29,467 feet of ascending and descending. Runners are allowed to have a pacer after mile 55, and as you will find out, many of the pacers at this race are every bit as remarkable as the racers themselves. And just to back up for a minute on the backstory of how and why we decided to do this in the first place, our own Gordon Janini, who you've heard on previous Off the Couch episodes, was the aid station director for the Geyser Pass aid station, which is located 201 miles into the Moab 240. Earlier this fall, I had told Gordon that I'd never been to an aid station, let alone an ultra trail race, and Gordon was adamant that I should come and volunteer at the Moab 240. So I agreed, and I was definitely the least experienced and least talented person of our otherwise exceptional team at the Geyser Pass aid station, so I really appreciate how nice all of the medics and volunteers were to me and how forgiving they were of my general incompetence. But that said, I am actually pretty good at refilling drinks and taking food orders and getting the attention of medics to check out a bunch of blistered feet and swollen ankles, and that is mostly how I spent my time. But I also figured that there might be a lot of people out there who, like me, really wondered what it is like to actually run this race. And so we thought that we would capture some of the very raw, very unfiltered reactions from runners, pacers, friends, medics, concerned mothers, and other folks from the Geyser Aid Station. 
Now, we taped all of these conversations on Monday of the race, so a few of the very fastest runners had already come through Geyser Pass, and while they are truly amazing, Mike McKnight, for example, won the race in about 59 hours and 30 minutes, which is crazy, I was particularly interested in the perspective of those who weren't necessarily going to be on the podium at the end of this race. That said, we did speak to the absolutely remarkable Catra Corbett, who possesses a seemingly inhuman combination of toughness and cheerfulness and speed. Anyway, what you are going to find here, I think, is that these conversations collectively paint a vivid portrait of what it's like to have literally just run over 200 miles while knowing that you have another 40 to go, why you'd sign up to put yourself through all of this, and what this race and this community is really all about. And with that, let's get to our series of conversations from the Geyser Pass aid station at mile 201 of the Moab 240. Wes, you've just run 201.2 miles. How, how are you feeling? It's unbelievable. I've run 200 miles in the last four days. Um, I'm feeling okay. I'm kind of emotional, I think. I'm really tired. I've only gotten two hours of sleep so far, which was foolish. I um, wanted to sleep more, but I just haven't been able to. Um, and I was originally planning to come to this aid station to get more sleep, which I'm going to do. But I, yeah, I'm really tired because of the lack of sleep. But um, it's been a really great experience. This is a wonderful race that goes, you know, it shows us so much of the Moab area, but also takes us on a journey at the beginning that seems like the race is kind of, oh, this is fun and runnable, it's really pretty. And then all of a sudden we get to the south end and we get slapped across the face with a terrible climb and and uh and it's and then we kind of get after that we do some nice easy running again <laughs> and then today we had to go over but last night and today we went over the um the mountain what's it called the the whatever the big mountain thing i can't even think of I, my, my brain doesn't work for words anymore uh but anyway, the mountains were a very tough climb and so i'm realizing that while i thought i was ready for this I, my climbing skills need improvement if i'm ever gonna try this again you say that now though wes <laughs> These things have a tendency to change. Yeah, I'm really struggling with the climbing today. And also, I think that the dust from the running in the desert yesterday has been in my lungs. And so anytime I do any exertion uphills today, I just start hawking up loogies and it's really challenging. So it's been really kind of frustrating because I feel like I can't do, I can't perform at my regular level. But I'm also forgetting that I just ran 200 miles, and so my body's kind of tired. You're allowed to be tired. You are going to get some sleep here, though? Yeah, that's the plan. I'm going to eat some food. Okay. I really need some calories, and then, uh, yeah, I'm going to get some desperately needed sleep. And then get back out there for the last two segments. And, uh, yeah, and then if I can finish those, then I'll actually be a Moab 240 finisher, and that'll be amazing. You're going to give me a hug at the finish line. Okay, <laughs> I'm not gonna give you a hug now, too. <laughs> All right. I love you, man. Nice you're, crying with you. Again. Yeah, you're doing great. It was me at it was me at Tahoe, not you, but for crying. Yes. <laughs> he he paced me at Tahoe, so. He's such a guy. wonderful community at these events. 
So we, I paced him at Tahoe 200. We were kind of leapfrogging at this race, encouraging each other. And uh, yeah, you know, you it's all about, in the world. It's all about friends and family so and just being a community. Yeah. Brian, are you heading out? Yeah. Going to, going to get this monster done, huh? I mean, balling my eyes out, and let's go ball my eyes out at the finish. <laughs> I, Brian came in all emotional, and then like three minutes later was the most calm, analytically collected person I think I've ever seen. I was like, this is a miracle right in front of my eyes. I've learned from them. <laughs> this is incredible. Hey, good luck, Brian. Take care. Take it out. We'll see you. Gordon Janini, what have you brought me to here? Well, Jonathan, uh, I have brought you to the Moab 240. Uh, we are up on the Geyser Pass Road just outside of Moab, and this is the 201-mile aid station. Um, yeah, so we're, we're standing behind the sleep tent right now, and got a couple runners eating cheeseburgers in the aid station. So, yeah, what do you think so far? I don't think I came in with a very clear picture but I don't think I pictured this. So, um, yeah, it feels a little bit like a refugee camp uh, with, like, you know, good French toast uh, made by you. Very impressed with your cooking skills. Like, you're working that grill very well. This is a trip. Like, everything about this is a trip. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty crazy experience, especially, I'm sure, like, coming from no ultras to this is kind of going zero to a hundred pretty quickly but um yeah i don't know working aid stations is always really fun because you get to you get to see like the both sides of the race kind of thing where you're you're talking to crew and you're dealing with runners and you're like cooking french toast and like staying up all night and yeah it's a, it's a good time but you're also watching like grown men just sobbing we are seeing people who barely speak english rolling in here um this is very much turning into like all types here yeah and i think i mean that's ultra running for you i mean one of the coolest things about it is that there are people from all over in this in the case of this race literally all over the world all over the country um all different backgrounds you know got like a lot of it's just a, a really wide variety of people and then also the yeah the emotions are definitely running pretty high by mile 200 as you might imagine i was talking with a guy earlier who he came in and he actually looked quite put together and i was like man you're looking great and he just was like i feel like a total dumpster fire and he said it kind of in a monotone like he didn't look like death or anything and you know i asked him have you done a 200 or a 240 before? And he said, no, I've done three 100s before. And I'm sitting here with him and he's at mile 201 and he's just doubled up the longest distance he's ever run. And he has another 40. I, I don't know what to say or do about this, but we just sent him, he slept for about an hour and staggered off on his way for another 40. Yeah, I mean, I think especially at an event like this there's pretty much no other dis just specific distance trail race that's longer than this one um so even people that have done the other 200 milers this is 
a bit of a stretch for them. A lot of them are setting distance PRs. And I think it's pretty cool being at the mile 200 mark because we are at that point where a lot of people, even those who have done 200s in the past, have never gone this far. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a cool thing to see when you see people kind of like exploring what they can do and being like, oh yeah, you know, I can do another 40 miles. And um, yeah, I, I think it's pretty common to have the people who are like, you look great. And you talk to them a little bit and they're like, I'm dead inside. And you're like, oh no, I'm so sorry. Here, have a cheeseburger. So like, I don't know, you do what you can, but yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. You were telling me earlier though, you're like, I will work an aid station again here, but you have no intentions of running 240 yourself, at least not now. Yeah, so after this race last year, I was talking to my friend Kelsey Swanson, who's who's running the race last year, and she's like, yeah, what do you think? It's like, well, you know, 200 milers are freaking awesome, except for the running part. So I think because they are so long and everything's just kind of slower paced, it's a even more of a community aspect than you get at regular trail races. So you're like hanging out with people's crews for five hours while their runners asleep in the sleep tent. Um, you get to know people a little bit more, especially crewing and pacing. But yeah, for me, I just, I don't know, the the amount of sleep deprivation and just intense suffering doesn't have, have that much appeal. I guess I'm not quite to that level yet, but... That said, as the head of the Geyser Pass Aid Station, you're not sleeping so much yourself right now. Yeah, but, you know, it's all relative, right? It's like... I can go catch a 30 minute nap and get up and like pound some coffee and be fine for a while. And while there are people who are out there running for four days straight. So yeah, I mean, I don't know that it's, it's pretty funny. Like by the end of the weekend, everyone at this event is pretty sleep deprived, but, um, yeah, you know, you can keep it all in perspective. Like anytime you're like, oh, I'm kind of tired. You have to be like, okay, shut up self. There are people running 200 miles, 240 miles. You're fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, on that note, we're actually going to let you sneak off and try to grab a couple hours of sleep. So I do not want to keep you any longer for the moment, but, uh, yeah, good to get, uh, good to kind of officially weigh in with you. Um, I will ask though, what is the most sort of striking or strangest thing you've seen so far? Yeah, so we've had just over 30 runners come into our aid station, um, and that's out of a field that started out around 100. Um, so we've had about 20 drops at this point, so I think we're about two, about a third of the way through the field. Um, let's see, the strangest experience. I think probably we had, I think it was either the second place or third place guy. They kind of came in together um, and they both seemed, you know, they were doing pretty well, but the one guy's like, man, that last section was just so long. It was like pretty poorly marked. We got off course and I ran out of water and we're like, oh man, like, did you find somebody to drink? He's like, yeah, I was drinking out of a cow trough. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I was like, wow, okay. Got people out here, like, drinking out of cow troughs. Hopefully he doesn't get Giardia in a couple weeks. But, but yeah, and he just, you know, kind of did his thing. Was only in the aid station for about an hour. Ate some food and went on his way. Like, it was a completely normal thing to do, so. That is unbelievable. Um, come run 240 miles. Maybe drink water out of a cow trough. The Moab 240, ladies and gentlemen. Um, hey, 
great job. You're doing a hell of a job on this aid station. Granted, it's the first one I've ever been to and seen, but I but I'm impressed. Talk again soon. All right, man. Get some rest. Well, hey, welcome to the Geyser Pass aid station. You've just run 201 miles. What's your name and how are you feeling? Uh, my name is Chris Plunkett. Um, I'm feeling really beat up, but I'm 100% determined to make it the next 40 miles. What's the longest distance you've ever run prior to this? 100 miles back in June. How do you feel that experience was versus going, you've just run double that? Uh, yeah, it's total different, total different uh, thing there. I think what prepared me more for this was through hiking. I did the JMT a couple times, and uh, what I felt out here was more what I felt in a through hike rather than the 100-mile race. Um, what I've noticed here is you have more time to recover if you start to get messed up um, that you don't have in a 100-mile race. So, um, You seem great. I mean, you're like, you have it all together. We're seeing people coming in in rough shape. You seem real good. Do you feel as good as you seem? I'm ready to keep going. Yeah. I'm ready to keep going. Are you going to stop, get some sleep here, or are you just moving on? I'll probably close my eyes for like 20 minutes, but yeah, my sights are set on that buckle. I already have picked out. I'm going to go get it. Wow. Awesome. Um, what made you sign up for this thing? Uh, I just wanted to see if I could do it. I saw other people doing it, and I said, I could do that. So I signed up. I was the first one to sign up at the beginning of the year, uh, January 1st. Um, signed up, and that was my New Year's resolution. Since then, I've run... Eight races, 1,600 miles, and 225,000 feet of elevation. What's the m biggest surprise or most unexpected thing you've bumped into in this thing? Um, I, I haven't really had many surprises. I, I think I knew what to expect. Um, the course marking was a little off in that last section, um, which took me a lot longer than I expected, so I was worried I was going to bonk. Um, I was, I've been out of water for the last five miles, so, yeah. Well, this is good timing then. Glad you rolled in here. And, uh, yeah, man, you seem great. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I have full confidence you're going to take out the rest of this, this remaining 40 here. Thank you. I appreciate it. So, you've just run 201.2 miles. What's your name and how are you feeling? Patrick Corbett, and I'm feeling fine. A little sore. This is my 14th 200-mile race. So, 14th. That's incredible. And I believe I heard you say you've done this one. This is your third Moab yeah, 240? and it's my second Triple Crown. I'm doing the Triple Crown, which are all three 200s um, back, you know, each month. It yeah. starts in July. And I also did Badwater in July. So, so wildly experienced at this any surprises on this particular yeah, round? Yeah, I'm gonna be like five hours faster than I normally am. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, so I'm third place female right now, so that's why I need to move my booty and get out of here. Keep it going. Um, how are you feeling, last question, how are you feeling about the next 40? Oh, it, it's easy. That's the, the hard part's over. The next 40 is easy. I like your attitude. Because it's more downhill and we're just cruising into the finish, so. What's that? Yeah, 15 hours, we'll get over there. An easy 15 hours, 40 oh, after nice. 201. Easy. Piece of cake. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I wish you could have seen the foot on this woman that I uh, that I saw earlier. Um, you, if, if my foot looked like your foot looked, 
I would not be smiling nearly as much as you are right now. Oh, it doesn't even hurt. Yeah, I accidentally pulled the tape off my foot from where they taped it. There was no blisters or anything, but I just like the pre-tape. And there was dirt on the bandage, and I, like an idiot, pull it off and so rip my skin off. But it doesn't, it feels fine. She did a great job taping it, so it doesn't even, I, she put like some gauze in between. And so I will just, yeah, it doesn't, I don't feel it right now. Hopefully it won't bother me. Yeah. Keep it up, and uh, thanks for talking. Yeah, thank you so much. Right, take care. Scott Bailey, you've just run 201.4 miles. How are you feeling? Pain. Lots and lots of pain. The one thing that I've noticed about a 200 is, in relation to 100, 100, there's a, there's a finite end, and you can see it coming. With a 200, it just keeps going and going, especially this one where it's a 240. You know, even with being having, what, 30 to go, it still feels like it's, it's not over until you cross the finish line. And 240 miles, that is, a, that is a long finish line. That's way out there. Why did you sign up for this thing? Uh, no common sense. No, I, I signed up because I just ran Wasatch a month ago. And I thought, you know, I've always wanted to do this. I'm in shape. So I might as well, you know, see if I can get it done this year. And it's, it's a lot harder. It's tons harder than I ever would have imagined. You know, because in a hundred, you kind of know exactly where you're going to be at certain times. Here, man, it's just, it's wide open. I mean, I'm sitting like 10 hours behind where I thought I would be at this point. So it's just, it's a steeper learning curve. Are you looking forward to running this next year? Uh, let's talk about that in like a week or so, you know, let the body start recuperating and let the swelling in my ankles and joints go down. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that later. You had just said, you know, common sense wasn't your strong suit. So I was seeing if I could eke out a pledge from you in your, you know, in your, in your current state, but I think that's probably a wise answer. Well, what's funny is anybody that's run a hundred, the second they cross the line, I'm never doing that again. That was horrible. And about three weeks later, they're like, huh, what hundreds are, you know, on, on the horizon? And they, everybody signs up for them. I'm guessing the same thing happens with this. You know, you did a 240. So, all right, what other 200s are around I could go do? <laughs> Apparently everybody that runs is a slow learner. And with that, we'll let you, uh, well, we're going to let you rest because I want you to stay at the Geyser Pass aid station as long as you like. Um, you got a freshly wrapped ankle. And uh, I think now it's just about, you know, taking your time, and then you just only have to run another 40 miles. Yeah. The one thing that's awesome about you guys in this race is the volunteers are incredible. I mean, the scope of putting this thing together and all the people it requires, I mean, it's, you know, they wait on you hand and foot as you come into the aid station. So just a deep sense of gratitude, you know, thankfulness to everybody at Destination that puts on such a good event. We really appreciate it. I mean, you... If you know how an aid station is, that's what you're going for is to get to one more aid station, one more aid station. That's what keeps driving you. And, you know, you come in and people are taking care of you. I just got my ankle wrapped up. I've eaten. Yeah, you guys do an awesome job, and we're truly grateful for it. Wow. This is awesome. And, dude, take this thing home, man. <laughs> I sure hope so. You know, 40 to go. I, I can't wuss out now. It wouldn't, it wouldn't bode well. Then I would be back next year. Yeah, yeah. I'm bringing a third sweater. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put my puff on the back. Yeah, I'm bringing my puff. And then my buff and my beanie are already in the, yeah, okay, we're on the in the back. Side. So, 
because I hate being cold. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we know. We figured that one out. I moved to Arizona. <laughs> You'd rather run a hundred plus miles than be cold? No. <laughs> You'd rather be cold? No, I hate being cold, dude. <laughs> You'd rather do neither? Uh, I don't mind running a hundred plus miles if it's for a good reason. Um, the cold part, I can do without, but we'll get through it. You know what I mean? Tonight's the night. It may be after midnight. It may be 11.59, but tonight's the night. I brought him to the race with the best weather this year. Yep. Bigfoot was horrible. Tahoe was horrible. That was real nice of you. That was real nice of you. you know, I'm always looking out for my friends. <laughs> okay, so we got Chris Plunkett, who we talked to earlier. But as I was hanging around the Sage Station, I saw this dude, a pacer, everybody calling Wilk. And then I find out Wilk is pacing Chris. And then I find out Wilk's already paced over 100 miles. And then I was like, we better talk to Wilk. So... <laughs> Will, you want to sit down for just a sec? Sure. Um, You're making me nervous. I'll make you famous. <laughs> All right, Will, what are you doing here? You said you would only do this if you had a good reason. What's your good reason? Well, my friend, uh, his dream race and buckle is this Moab 240, so we're going to help him get across the line. And his, his parents, his daughter, been crewing, they're killing it. So he's got like the perfect package you know just happens I'm the only pacer so I'm gonna pace for the duration and you and Chris met where when and where um, I believe it was January February of this year the winter Golden Gate 50k in the Marin headlands um, right by the Golden Gate Bridge that's it that's it and he told you he yeah, told you about told this Moab 240. Yeah. Yep. This was his like dream race. And here you are, 100 miles down. You go in another 40 to the finish line. Yes, sir. My God. Um, what's your backstory? You do like you do stuff like this a lot. Um. I guess the last year and a half. Yeah. I just ran 100 miles myself uh, for the first time in April, and um, you know. I have plans for next year, you know, that have to do with ultra racing. I started off doing Spartan races and um, it was too easy after a, after a few months and um, so I just started, I went to a trail marathon and a 50k and from 50k I went to 100 miles and now I'm pacing him for, you know, a personal most because this will be more than 101.5. So, how are you feeling physically? Um, how you would expect to feel after running 100 miles, you know, with a lot of elevation, you know, gain and descent. So, I can't complain. You know, I get grumpy like everybody else, but I'm uh, trying to be on my best behavior. Now, I think it was Chris's dad that just said, hey, how you doing? You want me to shoot you? And I think your reply was, it wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> um, you care to explain? No, I, I, don't, I don't care to explain. All right. Get to know me a little better and uh, I'll explain down the road. All right. I get the sense that maybe that's why this 140-mile pace job you're currently in doesn't seem quite that bad. You've maybe been through some things. I have. Okay. You know. 
myself. Um, running is like an outlet. So it works, keeps me busy, keeps me out of my own head. And it gives me a way to be of service to others, which is probably like the biggest thing you can do in life. Well, hey, man, I don't know too many people who have friends who'd go run 140 miles pacing them. So uh, good on you, and Thanks. it's great to meet you guys. Yep, look for Chris Plunkett. He's about to get his buckle. <laughs> All right. Did I grab the wrong one, Katie? Hey, what is your name? Byron. Byron? Yeah. Where are you from, Byron? I'm from Guatemala, but I live in Florida. Nice. Came all the way out from Florida? Yes, sir. Yeah. To torture yourself? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. We just like to suffer, you know? We, we don't know what's wrong with us, so... Instead of going to the psychologist, we come over here and do these events. You know? It's, at the long run, it's more affordable. All right. You've just run 201.4 miles. How do you feel? What are you thinking about? I feel like I have no legs, but uh, all I can think of is going to the strip club right now with some of my buddies over here that are helping at the aid station, and we can have some fun and some beers, you know, and have a good time. So you're thinking about the strip club? Absolutely. So... Apparently, the inexpensive therapy is about getting out in nature and thinking of strip clubs. Oh, totally. You know, you know how that goes. Uh, you know, mountains are always faithful. They're always there. And you also, you know, when it comes to women, you, you need them and, you know, you love them and, you know, you move on in life. That's how, that's how it is, you know. We're there for them to help them in what, they, in, in what, in what we can as well um the other amazing thing about you is you just uh introduced me to a food that i did not know existed what are you eating right now oh this is a chocolate twinkie a covered chocolate twinkie it's pretty good i had no idea that ex that was a thing so i've learned a lot from you already in this very short time we've spent together yeah when i came from uh when i arrived to salt lake city on wednesday I decided to stay at Provo so I could do the logistics of the race because I'm running it solo without a crew. So I decided to go to Walmart and I saw the chocolate Twinkies at Walmart and I was like, hey. Done. Yeah, done deal. <laughs> it took no convincing. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want a chocolate Twinkie? I, I can't middle, think. In the middle of nowhere, you know. I can't think of anyone. Um, how are you feeling about the fact that I don't know if you know this, but you have to run another 40 miles. Yeah, this is going to be a little bit easier because it's road and uh, and flatter. The technic, the most technical is all over. So I'm looking forward to going back to Moab and you know get a get a warm shower and and just finish this nightmare, you know, so we can move forward. <laughs> have you ever done anything like this before? Uh, yeah, I ran it last year. Uh, this is my second time running it, but last year I had a crew, so it was, uh, it was a bit easier on the logistics and on planning, and, you know, they cover a lot, so. But when you come without a crew, you have to do the logistics pretty much all of them yourself. But at the same time, uh, you know, you have wonderful volunteers here that help you out and everything. It's very friendly, which I'm very thankful for it. Yeah. So the therapy last year maybe helped but didn't solve all the issues 
Yeah, it didn't solve all the issues. That's why, you know, I, I came back on my own to see what the hell was going on, you know? <laughs> so, last question. Have you learned anything, or have you mostly just been thinking about strip clubs? Um, I don't think I learned anything, man. So you, you're going to have to come back next year. Probably. I'll, I'll come back next year, but I'll, I'll come back to volunteer this time. I'll come back to volunteer. Fair enough. All right. Well, um, I want to make sure we end up at the same aid station next year then, because I think this is going to be a fun aid station. We definitely got to keep in touch and, okay. and plan for it. <laughs> Done deal. Done deal. It's, we'll have a blast. Yeah. It's just going to have a ton of chocolate Twinkies and... Uh, Maybe we can get a stripper pole put up in this aid station. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll work on this concept. Absolutely. So, All right, man. Thanks for talking. Thank you. I am here with... Masato. Masato. Yes, from Mas Japan, Tokyo. Masato from Japan. Yes. Do you live in Japan now? Yeah. You came here yeah. from Japan. Yeah to sit next to me and Byron <laughs> in this aid station. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we like your style. You've run 201 miles. How do you feel? So wrong. <laughs> yeah, so wrong. Yeah. Oh, I want to go home and sleep. <laughs> and drink. And drink, yeah. Um, how do you feel about the fact that you have another 39 miles to go? 39 miles? <laughs> 39. Did, did you just, did I break this news to you? Did you not know this? You're not done. You're not remotely close to done. Yeah. How do you feel about this? Um, no more. No more. <laughs> do you, I, what if I gave you a piggyback ride? Piggyback ride. Yeah. That puts you on my back? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe want to go that way? I'll carry you the next 40 miles? No. <laughs> no, thank you. Good. Thank you for not accepting that. Um, have you ever done anything like this before? Have you done anything? A long, long, long race? Uh, no, no, I, no, nothing. Byron, do you have a comment? I thought he was gonna surprise us with something, you know, like very long. He was gonna surprise us with some, with, a, with an answer that we were not expecting, you know. Like, like maybe you forgot about the 200-mile other race you ran at some point. Yeah. What's the longest race you've run? Uh, this this race. This. What's the longest race you've run before this? Uh, 100 miles in Japan. Yeah. That's still a very long way. Yeah. How does the 100-mile race in Japan compare to this? I mean, it's so hard. This is so hard. Yeah. Why did you sign up for this? Uh, this is a challenge for my life. So maybe uh, I'm the final... Register. Final, I'm a final register. Yeah. Yeah, this year. Yeah. I decided to run... October 2nd. <laughs> so not a lot of training time. Yeah. October 2nd, you decided to come run this. Yeah. Okay, so that was like 
less than two weeks ago, yeah. much less than the start. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Does that, um, how do you feel about the, that decision? Um, man, I don't know. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Crazy challenge, yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Are you going to sleep at this yeah. station? Yeah, maybe 30 minutes. Mm. How much have you slept? The race started Friday yeah. at what time? Maybe one, maybe uh, five hours. You've slept, you've yeah. slept five hours? Yeah. Okay, since the race started on Friday. Yeah. And this is now Monday late afternoon. Yeah. So I slept um, on the road. You slept on the road? Yeah. <laughs> Many times. <laughs> <laughs> Many times. Many Little times. road naps? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you get some longer sleep at this aid station. No. Yeah. That seems like that would be good. Okay, one hour. <laughs> one hour. Okay, one hour. I'll come find you in an hour. Okay. Thank Thanks you. for talking. Thank you. <laughs> Feel about setting off on this last leg with 201 miles behind you. Yeah, it's uh, very different from any other race that I've done. Normally with a race, uh, things go wrong, but you still try to finish as quickly as possible, right? I changed my mindset today when I really felt crap because of the dust and so. And then I was told that the last section from Porcupine Rim to the finish line was very pretty. Yeah. So I thought, well, if I rush and if I don't sleep here at this aid station, then I'm going to do Porcupine Rim in the dark. So, you know what? I'm going to have a few hours sleep and then take my time to get to Porcupine Rim and then enjoy the last section in daylight. Yeah. So that's been, it's not, not really a race strategy, but uh, has been my plan now. Yeah, good plan. Um, have you ever done anything at this distance? I did uh, Bigfoot uh, this year. You did Bigfoot? And that was great fun. And there I really pushed the pace for myself because I'd never done it. I didn't know if I would finish. And uh, I didn't sleep much. I really felt uh, pretty uh, um, hallucinating and oriented, disoriented near the finish line. I think now I have more slept. I've slept more than I ever would have done. Huh. Probably about eight hours. Oh. Yeah. So you feeling relatively good? Yeah. I feel very sleep-wise well. Surprises today or this weekend was the respiratory issue. Yeah. I really struggled to uh, breathe. In the moment I need to rain went uphill, I was coughing, yellow stuff, and I really felt pretty horrible. And uh, that's been most of this weekend. And then the moment we went to 10,000 feet or beyond, didn't improve how I felt either. So it's been very challenging. Huh. Well, I think it's amazing what you're doing. And uh, where are you from? Um, originally from Holland, uh -huh. then from South Africa. Uh, but uh, my family and I, we live in Texas, Houston, okay. Houston Texas now. Huh. And uh, we, uh, sorry, I struggled to breathe, as I mentioned. No, no. Um, we haven't got mountains near us, so the agility to, to go downhill, I, I put on the mountains, I really like. 
So I take it very cautiously. Yes. And it takes a lot of time. Yes. Well, Hans, I wish you well. Finish strong and enjoy a beautiful sunrise in and uh, a good finish. Thank you, that's my plan. Uh, I'm gonna walk for the next 22 miles because if I get earlier, I just have to wait because my children huh. are there at Porcupine Rim huh. and one is gonna be uh, pacing me to the finish line. Oh, basically to enjoy, to enjoy in the festivities. So. Oh. Excellent. So if I rush, I just have to wait longer. <laughs> well, slow and steady, and enjoy uh, enjoy crossing that finish line with uh, with your family. Yeah, thank you. All right, good luck. Thank Take you very much. Bye bye. I am now talking with someone for the podcast that I've been talking with pretty much all day now. Yeah. Uh, and so this is Toby. Toby, what's your last name? Ballard. Toby Ballard. And you are from? Uh, Missoula, Montana. Okay. Um, Toby's kind of a big deal at, uh, at the Geyser Pass Age Station because he is a medic. Is this your official title, medic? I think that's, that's what they say. I'm a, an AEMT, uh, nationally registered. So not officially a paramedic, but yeah, I have medical training. Okay. And... You may kind of have pieced this together already, but when everyone who is coming in at this aid station has just covered 201 miles, turns out their feet are all kind of pulverized. Yeah, it's a mess. I've seen you work on a ton of feet today, like more than I've ever seen anyone work on feet ever in my life. There's, uh, yeah, so this is my second year doing this, and I did it this year at Moab, and I did it two years ago at Bigfoot and I never expected to see so many feet. I knew that uh, it would be part of it, but it is incredible the feet that you see and the things that happen to them over the course of a 200 mile race. And uh, fortunately for me, I, in both these races, I've been at more than one aid station. So I've been at one about midway through at 100-ish, or this one 120 miles, and then one closer to the end. And so I get to see people halfway, which is sometimes kind of a low spot, and then towards the end where they can kind of smell the barn. But I also get to see their feet <laughs> twice. And uh, some of them I get to see how my work holds up from, you know, the last 80 miles or so. And uh, it, the people are just incredible. So that's really the best part. Their feet, not so much, yeah. you know, but uh, yeah, just hanging out with the people and they're super appreciative. So uh, it just makes it as worth it as it's going to be to have someone's stinky foot in your face. Um, yeah. <laughs> What's the gnarliest thing you've seen in this particular race? Um, I don't think this one has been as bad as Bigfoot. I think it being drier helps. Yeah. Uh, Bigfoot's quite a bit wetter. And so you see more of that trench foot kind of stuff. I've seen that a little bit here, but probably one of the worst was, uh, a lot of blisters across kind of the ball of the foot but then above that it was just one giant blood blister right at the base of about the middle three toes and it was all poking out from the previous tape so trying to figure out what to do with that was uh it was a bit of a challenge <laughs> what's the worst foot thing you've seen at any race not just a generalization about bigfoot but you have a specific person or set of feet in mind when I ask this question? 
not I don't have one that that sticks out but there are people where their feet it's almost like the bottom of their foot is all like peeling off yeah and it's disgusting it's like a if a tire were to detread yes that's what's going on with their foot and so there are people that finish some of these races with uh, essentially a, a boot of tape yeah. uh, they could bronze it and put it on the mantle if they were able to actually get it off of them yeah it's just Jake going out. Nice guys. We got some brave souls heading away from Geyser Pass as we speak. Hey guys, go get it. Finish strong. Oh yeah, finish strong. Beautiful night. You can already see the Milky Way out there. Oh, you can see it with the. Yeah, it's just right up there already. When I first got here, when it was, we were doing course marking. It was just a sliver of the moon, yeah. and you could see just the the Milky Way was so bright. Oh, there's no moon tonight. Yeah, you'll you'll see it. We didn't it's use our uh, right up here. We didn't use our headlamps hardly at all. Fantastic. The whole, the whole race. Yeah. This moon's been so yeah. bright. As long as you're on a road. So yeah, the moon is pretty good. Yeah. Don't have to use them. We'd sneak up on some folks because. <laughs> They'd be like, what are, they, what are these guys doing? I don't think I'd want you to sneak up on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. You never know. Might, you might enjoy it. That's true. <laughs> See y'all. Um, that's cool. Yeah, so Those no. guys are great. It's, yeah, they're fantastic. It's kind of been, I mean, this is like, this is the stereotype as everyone's talked about. Oh, how great the like ultra trail running community is but i've kind of gotten i've seen that firsthand over and over today as everybody who's come through the station this has been quite an impressive uh and i mean impressive just in the sense of frankly nice <laughs> group yeah. of people it, it's almost cliche to to say it that you come yeah. out here and do it for the community it's huh. but it, it's true I and mean, people that i didn't know three years ago now i run into them periodically we see each other maybe once a year every other year but even if you just recognize a face and you go hey what's your name again yeah. and and then you get that connection again and it's uh it just starts right back up it's it's like having a friend that good friend that you haven't talked to in a year but it's yeah. you it doesn't matter you call him up and it was like you saw him yesterday uh, it's just really cool there are lots of great people now another important thing to say is you aren't merely a medic at these races you've done a bit of running yourself and racing yourself right i i've done my share yeah i, I mean i well i've done some yeah for sure <laughs> all right we have a big problem on this podcast in general which is runners and long distance runners just tend to be the most humble people ever so my job <laughs> is perpetually to pull out of them some of the things they've did so throw the humble hat off for a moment just talk a little bit about some of the races you've entered maybe a couple you've finished um so i guess i i mean i started small like it, it was a big deal i did a, a seven mile trail race probably 10 years ago and i didn't know if i could do that which is kind of the allure for me for these races i like finding ones that make me think I, i'm not sure yeah I, I don't know if that's possible uh and that distance has just kind of increased so uh it's been 30ks 50ks i finally went to 50 miles uh back in 20 
2012, I think was the first one at Bighorn and it was a complete disaster. It was the worst race I've ever had. I finished, but uh, I learned a ton and that helped everything from beyond there. Um, and I was racing quite a bit doing 50 Ks and I got a little burned out on racing and living where I do, I have access to a lot of wilderness areas and things. And so I started doing way more um, just I want to go to that mountain lake or I want to go to that peak that sort of thing and uh, so that's been really good and I really never had any interest in 100 mile races and then because I love coming to this area into the desert and Moab in particular I was listening um, to an interview with uh, Candace Burt and she mentioned she was you know they had their 200 mile races going and and i was a little intrigued by the uh not only do you have to figure out the nutrition and uh logistics but the sleep part of it was really interesting to me and then she said we're starting a new one and it's in moab and i thought you know that's i don't know that i can do that and uh it was just intriguing and so i came down here in 2017 and uh tried that and my wife crewed me as a saint you know she uh had not crewed anyone for anything i had never been crewed for anything and so we both just figured it out and uh got through it and i I get through it with usually the three goals is what i always set for myself and the first one is to finish i don't really care about the time and then the second one is not to poop myself and uh so far successful on on those fronts and then the last one is usually some sort of vague time goal that that changes um so i got through moab and then i wasn't sure i wanted to do another one and i don't know if a lot of people get this but and granted i've never been pregnant but it was almost postpartumish after it was such a big accomplishment for me and i rode that for a month or two and then it got really hard after that and i wasn't sure if i wanted to do another or if i was kind of done running and wanted to move on to something else and uh, so the next year i volunteered at bigfoot doing medical for them and I knew by the time I was done volunteering that I was going to sign up for Bigfoot. Just watching all these people doing this is is super inspirational. And so it's hard not to kind of get hooked. And so I was back the next year doing that. And uh, yeah, so I did Bigfoot this year with the same goals and, and made it through that. And my wife paid or uh she crewed me with my brother this time and uh she paced me for the last section of bigfoot and now i'm back here in moab and if i'm lucky and things work out i'll maybe make an attempt on tahoe next year Uh pretty good man well i feel guilty pulling you away from the aid station because i feel like there's a like 98 percent chance that someone's like i kind of yeah um but uh this has really been a fun element of this day just our we kind of keep circling back and getting a chance to talk more and i've really enjoyed yeah, getting to know it. you and and uh you've been a good guide to this scene so oh, uh thanks. yeah well it's not uh it's definitely not just me it's they're 
people doing this at practically every aid station and Todd Nardi, our medical director for this, is uh, he's fantastic. He's uh, dirtbag medics and so he does this at a lot of races but his kind of the heart and soul I think of his doing this is in the 200s yeah. and so everyone working together on this is kind of what makes it happen so yeah it's been awesome we've got a lot of good people out here there are definitely a lot of good people out here well hey thanks for the time let's get back to the yeah, station yeah thank you well welcome to the geyser pass aid station what's your name denira gay where are you from miami florida how come you look concerned because my son is three hours late from the what the i thought he would be here so your son now is he racing or is he pacing he's racing okay and his best friend came in from florida last night and is pacing with him my son's from hong kong okay okay so you're a little concerned because we what have we heard from them I've been watching, and no, I haven't heard anything from him. I don't know if he even has looked that we have cell service. He's, I'm just watching every <laughs> 10 minutes the um, GPS, and he slowed way down. Yeah. So that's the update. We don't know anything more than that at the moment. No. No. I mean, I got... 11's in the house. This is well, welcome, number 11. This is what I'm looking forward to is hearing yeah. from him. <laughs> Here, let me get out. This is an awesome section. Oh, you're good. Um, so do we have any... We're, we don't have a good way to contact him right now, so you're just... Even if, even if I knew that he would get the message, I wouldn't, because he has to concentrate on what he's doing. So I'm just silently... I, I have confidence in him. All right, so you, you're confident, but let's say, what's the concern level? 10, wildly concerned. How do you actually feel right now? 9.75. That's pretty like, high. Well, one thing, last night he was considering quitting, but because his friend had just come in from um, Florida to pace with him, he chose not to, to give it a little bit more of a try. But he was pretty much, his leg, he was having a hard time walking last night. They had to treat it and put tape on it so that's one reason i'm concerned has he done any ultras before he's done in hong kong 300s yep. but he's never done this he does he's done quite a, a few iron man okay and he's done the extreme Ironman. i helped him train i mean by driving a car in norway last year he did one and then he just did one in montenegro but didn't get to finish only a third of the field finished that one so he's done those he's 49 he just turned 49 okay well we've got a nice fire going in the aid station it's real comfortable in here a good group of people yes, and, they've been and wonderful we look forward to uh your son coming up this way thank you yeah. i appreciate it i'm willing to give up the fire and when anybody comes in thank you for what you're doing <laughs> so there you have it some portraits from the geyser aid station at mile 201 of the moab 240. And one update here, I did get a text several hours after we talked from Denira saying that her son, quote, turned in his number at 11 p.m. He seems okay with the decision for now. Mom is feeling much better, very proud, end quote. 
And yeah, I personally truly think that everyone who was brave enough to step up to the start line of this race has reason to be extremely proud whether or not they finished. The other thing I want to say is that while I think these conversations that you just heard provide a terrific look into what this race was about, I truly am sorry that I wasn't able to record conversations with each and every person involved. Everyone at this race has a story. The racers, the pacers, the concerned mothers, the event directors, the incredible volunteers managing the aid stations, the fantastic medics, everyone. It was my honor and pleasure to speak with some of you on tape and to speak to many more of you in unrecorded conversations as we were all trying to refill water bottles and assist medics and take food orders and help people find their gear, etc. So thanks to all of you for putting up with me and your willingness to share your stories. Finally, I want to give a special shout out to Kelsey Swanson and Kendall Cox, who, along with Gordon Janini, did an absolutely phenomenal job running the Geyser Pass aid station. They got very little sleep themselves, and they were all incredibly helpful and supportive of everyone who passed through the aid station. So I'm not here to say that the Geyser Pass aid station was the best aid station at this year's Moab 240, but actually, yes, I am. So congrats and thank you to Kendall and Kelsey and Gordon for the terrific job they did. And with that, we will wrap up this episode of Off the Couch. I want to thank Luke Alley for producing this episode, and thanks to you for listening. If you are enjoying these conversations, we hope that you would subscribe for free to Off the Couch. We hope that you would tell your friends about the show, and we would also appreciate it if you would leave us a nice little rating or review in iTunes. That would make us feel even better than being served a grilled cheese sandwich with nine pickles and two pieces of French toast and some gummy bears at the Geyser Pass aid station at mile 201. Thanks, everybody. And until next time, keep moving forward, and we will talk to you again next week.